This is Matthew Putman, and you're listening to Utility Function. My guest today is Naji Dorsey. Naji's a dear friend, an artist, and someone I've enjoyed debates with and learned a lot from since we met 14 years ago now. He's an artist, a collector, and the CEO and founder of Black Art in America. Naji's work has been exhibited in multiple museum shows, including his first major solo exhibition at the Columbus Museum in Columbus, Georgia. It was entitled Leaving Mississippi, Reflections on Heroes and Folklore in 2014. In addition, Dorsey has shown his work in numerous solo and group exhibitions. He has been the recipient of awards that include a 2006 Patrons Purchase Award from the Polk Museum of Art. I love talking to Naji and enjoyed this conversation. I'm sure you will too. So thanks, Naji. Thanks for coming on. My pleasure. I feel like... I've known you for so many years, and at the same time, I feel like I get to know you again every time we meet. You've evolved so much. Your work's changed. Your mission's changed. Where are you these days? What are you up to? I mean, you know, we're still running by you, uh, Black Art in America, and, you know, we're growing, man. Like, right now, I mean, during COVID, we've actually picked up in business. You know, we, um, we're selling plenty of art. We've got a product that we launched three years ago, Garden Art for the Soul, with people that want to take their love and appreciation for art and put it in an outdoor setting. That's, that's really took off tremendously. We've grown in terms of uh, the content, you know, we've, we've definitely got to be a lot more sophisticated. We've got more contributing writers. Matter of fact, I was on the phone today with, with uh, one contributing writer that is going to bring an interview that he did over uh, at the Louvre, be a regular contributor. We just uh, hired on some additional staff. We've got a, a GM coming on to, help facilitate some of the, the daily affairs of Baya and do some soft editing for us. He's a 30 year writer. And um, he's actually, we started out working together with the production of the uh, Readers and Real Folk uh, video cast, which, is, which was our effort uh, about three months, three months ago to highlight, you know, more interdisciplinary artists. Like our focus from the beginning has always been, you know, black visual culture, black you know, art painters and sculptors and, and people working in mixed media and photography for the last 10 years. And when COVID hit, you know, I said, well, you know, this is really a time to go deeper to, you know, to, to provide more of a service and to reach out and cover more arts. And, and it's also our 10th year, Matthew. You know, I mean, when we started, you know, you were, I mean, I think you wrote the, one of the first blogs that we did, right? No, that's, that's, how, that's how small and sad the situation was, is that you needed me to write a blog. <laughs> Well, no, but you know, I didn't see it like that. I didn't see it as as, as sad. I just thought, I mean, because my thing from the beginning is like, I think we've all got something to, to share. You know, we've all got something to contribute. And, you know, I wanted your voice in the mix, man. I mean, you were supporting uh, not only myself, but, you know, you're, you're a patron of the arts. And so I thought it was important to have your perspective in, in, in what we were doing. So, you know, I don't, I don't see it like that at all. If anything, we're, we're, you know, we're a gathering spot, not necessarily, not necessarily a space that's, you know, for the elitists to, you know, just uh, coalesce together. So. Well, it's, it's always been an honor. I mean, it's always been a, a great honor to be associated with you in any way. Um, yeah. I'm going to go back to a couple of things you said in this, which <clears throat> I know it seemed like you were just talking about, you know, a sort of history since you and I caught up just I don't know, less than a year ago, six months ago or something, but the world has changed enormously. And almost everybody I talk to and work with has suffered from this. I mean, mm-hmm. we, there are a few things um, that they've suffered from. I mean, business has been tough, certainly in the performing arts, it's almost impossible, right? So, you know, I, I, I play jazz and my, my friends in the music world, it's a completely different game. Um, mm-hmm doing well right now do you think that there is um a type of connection that they can have with you that they that they were distracted from before what would you accredit you know success or whatever we call success uh engagement during these difficult times now well excuse me well i'm gonna say you know i'm not gauge i tell you this i'm not gauging success by the number of likes or the number of shares I'm gauging, I'm gauging success by the amount of revenue that we're doing as a company and the mere fact that we're able to be self-sufficient and, uh, and thrive 
in this in this case is I mean during this period is 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 a phenomenon as far as I'm concerned. But I think is I think it's because we put in work for you know the amount of years that we put in work, Matthew. Like we're you know we started out in the digital space. We started out as an online publication, and we spent you know the last ten years you know building momentum, being consistent, um, coming out coming out with new content going to different markets around the country, building up our reputation, building up our following, and people know us. And so once everybody got stuck in the house, they, they started to look around and say, hey, shit, I'm tired of looking at the blank walls. I've got these home, I've got these projects that I want to do for myself. I want to go in a little bit. And so they started to connect with art uh, in, a, in, a, in a way that they probably hadn't in the past. And also that they hadn't, they're not spending money in the traditional spaces that they would generally spend money, you know? So they, they sitting on a little cash, and they want something more out of life. And I think um, as it relates to, you know, your question about some of the some of the other, you know, musicians or the people that, you know, being involved, you know, I don't know. I had to take a look and see what that looks like. Maybe that looks like, you know, a profile in our readers and real folk segment, you know, because we're looking to profile musicians and poets and performance artists. You right. know, I think during this period, you know, we got to, you know, come together where there's common common interest, man. We've got to expand. You know, we can't contract right now. We've got to expand. And, and that expansion is getting back to, you know, building community of those who have, you know, like-minded people, you know, like yourself. So it's not just, you know, this community or that community. It's just, you know, hey man, if you if you love art, you love culture, you know, we got this thing in common. I can I can vibe on what you're doing and and, and we just gotta to build together. Right. I, I mean I want. I, I know I'm. I'm going to get deep <laughs> into this, but I, I, you know, I think of you pre-Black Art in America because I, you know, I looked up on the wall and I think I have a piece of yours from 2007 or something. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And uh, 2010 is when Black Art America started. Something like that. Is that right? Mm -hmm. So I, you told me something one time that uh, really stuck with me. Um. I, I, and I'd, I'd love to hear if this is still true today and, and or or if not, at least you could revisit it. Okay. You said that at that time, it was easy for you to sell or easier at least for you to sell the music work. So you do, you do collages, paintings, you do a lot of mixed media stuff. Mm -hmm. You did stuff that was, you know, famous jazz musicians, new type of music stuff. You said this was easy to sell, but the tough things are when you get into more political discourse of those things that make people uncomfortable. Okay. You about that back then, and if that's changed, how that's changed. Well, yeah, well, I think um, so. Yeah, I mean that's definitely the case. I mean people, people generally, particularly when they're novice and when they're new to you know, collecting art or I wouldn't even say collecting, acquiring works and for the homes, you know, art, jazz subject matter is a, is an easy subject matter that they can relate to. And I think over a course of a period of time, you know, if they continue to stay engaged and their eye become, you know, should evolve and their taste will evolve and become a little bit more sophisticated. I remember some of the things that I've said in the past being something like, hey, you know, it's easy for me to sell like music and um people laboring to to white people but you know just the just the general you know like like black families or something like that that's not an easy sell so it's easy to sell music not to you know not to get on the black or white issue because you've supported me no, so many get on. seriously yeah, but what i'm saying is is that's something that's easily digestible like i would rarely sell a mother and child to uh, a black mother and child to um to a white family, but I would always be able to sell music. I would always be able to sell, you know, somebody out in the field picking cotton and maybe it just, it speaks to something that's familiar on their end that they, you know, that, that they can relate to or want to relate to. But we always see things differently. So like for me, when I would create those images of Big Mama picking greens or Big Mama at the earning board, I'm relating to, you know, to, to my Big Mama or auntie or, you know, just black female, um, matriarchs in in, in, our, in in our community but i think when someone outside of the community they see you know aunt aunt miss sue who who cleaned for them or who who did certain tasks for them so it's not coming from the same space and i think they we we would collect it or i would create it for a different purpose than what is intended 
So, um, so yeah, I mean, that's, that's, but I've evolved since then, Matthew, like, I mean, at one point, you know, I was creating, you know, I was just creating work that, uh, that spoke and work that sold, but the more successful that I became, the more, you know, the message, uh, behind the work became important, the more that I didn't have to create in, um, you know, from a production standpoint, because at, at that time, when you first acquired my work, I was going from show to show to show to show, you know, 20 shows a year. And so it's easy to just push out, you know, still good work, but push out something that's more familiar, something that's easy to digest and something that the public will, will easily resonate with. And I want to say, I really got away from that. I started to get away from that in 2011, because in the fall of 2011 is when I got tired of just basically doing the same old shit, man. And so I told Satiri, in fact, I told, I remember vividly, I told Satiri, I said, babe, you know, I think I'm going my wife, my wife Satiri, I told her, I said, I think I'm, I think I'm going to do a, um, a body of work on resistance. And, you know, the funny thing is that that's the body of work that got me my first solo museum show. You know, when I, when I did this whole body of work centered around men and women who fought against, you know, social oppression, um, um, you know, community, civil rights, human rights, the right to live telling the story of those who um who fought that most people weren't aware of like we all hear about king and malcolm and and the rose of the parks of the world but i wanted to do something different you know uh i think about i think about like buffett warren buffett he said do the opposite of what everybody else is doing and so when everybody else is doing king and malcolm and rosa i wanted to do you know claudette colvin or robert charles or gullah jack you know and these are all individuals who who, who fought in protest or led, uh, or led or were integral parts in like slave revolts. And those are the stories that, you know, as, as, a, as someone who is conscious about history and, 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 and our role in history in America, you know, I wanted to hear more of those stories of, of us fighting back and being, you know, and championing those who wanted to fight back, who said, you know, shit, enough's enough, you know, I'm tired of this shit. And if it costs my life, then so be it, you know, but that's the, that's the, that's the mindset I would like to think that I would be in if I was put in that position. Like nobody wants to think that they would cower down and just take all kind of abuse. You know what I mean? And so as a young black male, that's what, that's what I wanted to put out into the world. I wanted to put out that, you know, we had heroes and sheroes who fought back and it's important to, to stand up and fight. Just like, I mean, right now we're dealing with the, with the police and, 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 and unarmed black men being, being killed. And, and, and that's the story of Robert Charles. July 23rd, 1900, New Orleans. He was just walking down the street, minding his own business, and three cops, you know, wanted to harass him. He's like, man, shit, enough's enough. And he fought back. And so those are the kind of stories that that resonate with me, I think, is my role as a creative to give visual representation to some of those forgotten stories, because stories untold are stories forgotten. And so a lot of people know about Denmark, D.C., but I wanted to do a, a body of work on Gullah Jack. Gullah Jack was his right-hand man. You know, he was a, a, a African spiritualist, uh, priestess, and, you know, he would, you know, con you know, tell the people that, you know, he's conjuring up these um, uh, these spirits to protect them in the battle to fight for their liberation, you know? And so like those stories are important. And so I wanted to give visual representation to that. So my work's become more sophisticated over time. And like even a recent body work I'm really excited about was uh, I was invited to a, um, uh, to a salon talk with this lady, and she's a white lady. She's got this uh, publication called The Southerly that's focused on um, marginalized communities affected affected by environmental racism. And uh, and so prior to going, I wanted to do a little research, and then I got to thinking, like, hey man, this is this is a subject that I don't see a lot of visual representation on, at least coming from our community. And I felt like it's a subject that I wanted to tackle. So I ended up doing this body of work that I'm really excited about. I called it the Poor People's Campaign. I ended up using children that that I came into contact with to be, you know, the focal points in these narratives about how we're living uh, around pollution and landfills and incinerators and, and and oil refineries and you know all these you know toxic spaces are, are basically in plain sight of where a lot of poor people, marginalized communities live, and that's not just black. You know, it's it's it's, it's you know it's all all poor people. So. And that's why I named it in honor of Dr. King's, you know, you know, uh, mission was to, you know, uh, uh, you know, to, to really focus on poverty in America, not necessarily the struggle for black and white people. But if you deal with poverty, that you know, it 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 more, you know, more of us. So that's why I named it in honor of him. And so, you know, I've I've evolved, man, and because I, I think anything that's not growing is dead. And so, just like Baya has evolved, and I've evolved as an artist. 
I've evolved as a as a businessman, and you know, even 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 as a voice, you know, just like I don't know if you read the recent article. Like this is the first time I was interviewed for the publication, right? And and um, and I've only written a couple of times, and and one of the things I'm I'm proudest of is again, like you know, the article I wrote for We Speak for Darius. I'm in the Kemper Museum in Kansas City, Missouri, about five years ago, and I see this young this young man, you know, had about ten years old, just you know, taking in the art, man, absorbing it, you know, being connecting with it, you know, and so I get into this conversation with him, and you know, he he says, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm an artist, and I love art. And I said, well, what you know, what are you doing here? He said, well, you know, I'm, t- I'm looking at art, and then I see, I'm, you know, he had these little balls. Then he said, you want to buy a ball? I said, why are you selling the ball? He said, um, to help my mom, you know, with some money. You know, I sell them to help to give some money to my mom. I said, but you're an artist, right? And he said, he said, yeah. I said, man, you need to, you know, you need to sell your art. Where's your art at, man? I want to see some art. And so he left and he came back. He came back with this little, matter of fact, I got it out in the yard. He came back with this little clay piece. And I, when I looked at it, I said, I doubted whether or not he did it. But it, for me, it didn't matter, right? It, it didn't matter at all. You know, I wanted to support this guy. And so he, um, I said, well, I looked around. I said, it's not signed. I said, you got to sign it. So we go to the gift store. And I said, I actually got behind the clerk. I said, you, I said, do you have a Sharpie? I, you know, he said, well, he said, as soon as he saw Derek, he said, man, what are you doing in here? So he basically, you know, you know, you're not supposed to be here. And he ran them out. And, and when Derek said left, and he looks at me, he said, man, that kid's, you know, it's not much trouble. I said, I said, how in the hell is he, is he destined for trouble when he's in a museum? I mean, this is supposed to be a safe space for this guy, for, for this child. And man, I was so offended and so hurt that I actually wrote a piece. I wrote an article and it, it, it just, it had, it had impact, Matthew. I mean, they, they, they had, the museum got calls from all around the country. It was on a radio station. The board was contacted. People were in an uproar off of this piece that I wrote, chastising the museum for what they had did. So they eventually end up reassigning the guy and the clerk. They gave Darius uh, a scholarship for a summer program to support his arts. And then they end up changing the museum policy about kids in museum in, in their museum. And so I'm like, that's that's the shit I'm talking about right there, you know, because we can easily sit back and see something that that you know we may seem that, that we may think that's an injustice, but you don't do anything about it. You know, you talk about it in a moment, but it just quickly goes by. And anytime, you know, and so and to be able to leverage what I had access to and what I was building in terms of Black Art in America to put that story in the forefront, you know, had 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 impact, man. And I think that's the power of, of you know, one of the examples of, of, of some of the power that we've had from what's been built. Even like the article when, when the New York Times, one of the writers for the Times came out with this piece probably a year and a half ago about why there are no great Black art galleries. And I'm like, what the fuck? You know what I'm saying? I'm like, you know, and 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 then so I end up I end up doing the clap writing the clap back with that, and then I end up doing a a podcast with five gallerists, you know, talking about the matter. And so it's like, you know, we've got to have people. We can we can't let, you know, other being people who are not connected with what what's really going on, what's really going down. Yeah. So I see I see Bayer is, is is playing a role in 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 the narrative of of the of the story of you know, contemporary, uh, contemporary visual culture and what we're doing, what we're contributing, what are our thoughts and so on and so forth. So that's it, man. I don't. Well, for somebody like me, who's, who's loved art for so many years, I completely saw the disconnect between what people perceived as the, um, dead artist that was only recognized after their life. You see a Vincent van Gogh or you see somebody like this, but in reality, the white artist in general, the 20th century at least, gets more due in their time. I mean, you've got the big name, big selling artists. You've got, you know, you've got from Picasso to Jeff Koons to whatever that might be. Mm-hmm. And in the African American art world, you have the big names, the most expensive artwork being people who have passed. You have Basquiat, or you, you know, you, you know, you have these these artists, and I think this is, I think it's a huge misunderstanding of what it means to be recognized in one's time. Because it's important if there is going to be something that the kid can come see your work, come and see the site and be inspired to do something that is different for the white population than it is for 
for, for, for uh, people of color. Do you believe that? Well, to be yeah, so I honestly, I understand the premise of what you're By saying. Way, but I think, always disagree with me like we're not on air. We're <laughs> not. <laughs> what I'm, I'm going to say is this, man. Like, there's a, one thing we have to understand that there are multiple art markets, one, right? And so the market that you speak of, yeah, that exists. And we, we've got the dominant, we, we've got the majority market in the blue chip, so on and so forth. But for every Jeff Koons or Picasso or Basquiat, I mean, fuck, we got a million other cats this you know, out there moving, working, selling work. But what I will say is, while we while we do have a case of the usual suspects as it relates to artists of color that have broken through to mainstream, there's a whole ecosystem, Matthew, of people who are making tremendous livings selling no, I, art. Yeah, no, no, I, t- I totally know that exists. Right. But does it break through? But does it have to break through? I mean, I don't know. What, does it? Does it? I mean, right now we're, we're going through a revolution almost. I've never seen a civil war the way we are post George Floyd, right? Okay. Like, All right. It doesn't matter that, that black art is perceived differently still than white art. Well, you know what? You know, I actually, I think there's a case to be made that, 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 that the market's definitely shifting when I think about the success of a lot of my contemporaries. That, that are having right now, not only in museum shows, but the success of acquisitions, uh, collectors seeking out, buying the work. I mean, it, it's, it's been phenomenal. But I'm gonna say this, man, I'm a, I'm a realist in the sense that, you know, there's only so much room in these given spaces, but that doesn't mean that we're not successful. I mean, you know, I mean, here's the thing, man, you know, I mean, look at my story, Matthew. I mean, fuck, I'm 47, 35 years ago, I, this 35 years ago during this time, I was chopping cotton in, in Arkansas to make money during the summer program. Had a scholarship to the Memphis Academy of Art, went to two classes and dropped out. Um, ended up moving to Atlanta in 2005 and, and pursuing my art full time. Graduated high school, back, graduated high school on the curve from English. And yet now I run one of the most successful uh, companies. And I'm gauging success by a couple of different factors. Success being the the amount of revenue to, that we're doing and the business that we're doing and the people that we reach in the community that we serve. Yeah. I mean, I don't I would argue that you throw our numbers for those that like numbers, 120 some thousand on Facebook, just clips a hundred thousand on Instagram, over twenty thousand subscribers, and the number of people that's you know on our mailing list and the shows that we do and the amount of revenue that we do in this and you know, I mean dude, like you can't you can't that that can't be argued. Like right. No, you totally got me there. I, I was looking through the wrong lens completely. What, what, what is successful right now is, you know, it, it's probably like a lot of things that what, what is actually rising right now and what has through your career is something that can't be defined by you know, those of us that were defining it in 1997, I hear you. I mean, I, 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 I do get it. I, I'm, I, 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 and, and the commercial art world is segmented in such a way that probably those that are, you know, recognized in different circles are not necessarily or any way the most influential. And you guys, have an enormous impact. I completely see that. Yeah, I mean, it, it, no, absolutely. Because, you know, man, let's see. I mean, no, I mean, everyone wants, I mean, I would say, generally speaking, everybody wants to see their work command what, what the upper echelon of the market commands. But I'm, I'm really, I'm really cool, Matthew. I mean, trust me, man. Like, I mean, I mean, I pay taxes. So, I mean, this is public in terms of when we file taxes. Dude, you talk about success. Fuck, we're about to, we're about to have our first uh, um, first month of ninety. We're at nine, like ninety two, ninety three thousand dollars in sales of just e commerce online sales for this month. Fuck it, if that ain't successful, I don't know what is. And I know you run a multi million a million dollar corporation, like so, do and and so and 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 I'm also gauging success with the amount of artists that you know the amount of artists that we work with, Matthew. Like, but for if we do. A million dollars. We're slated to do a million this year. If we do a million in sales, that's basically meaning that I'm paying half of that to artists and commissions. Yeah. You know, and a lot of the artists that I work with, I work with collectors as well. But a lot of the artists I work with, I catch them early, man. Like, you know, some of the ones that's that's catching the wave right now. Shit, 
I mean, hell, I tried to. I was I was trying to work with Amy when her shit was sixty nine thousand. Now it's two hundred thousand. And yeah. this is in this is in twenty fifteen. You know, the same thing with Bisa Butler. I mean, Bisa Alpha Conte. Like all these cats were selling between you know five thousand and nine thousand at that time. That's now commanding you know, 50,000, 100,000. Yeah, You've always been that way. You've always taken me for the drive. I mean, sometimes it's literally taking me to somebody's place. And you're like, check out this studio. And it may be an older guy who hadn't been recognized. Or it might be an up and coming 19 year old and said, check out this work, Matthew, this is something. And if I didn't dig it right away, you'd say, stop and look, you know, and take a chance at this. Or you'd have a show here in New York, and you'd say, take a look at this, because I think you were able to see something that was going to be important in a year, right? It was already important two years before, but the rest of us weren't able to see it. And that's really the sign of a great dealer, an artist, a gallerist. And now, now, I mean, that that's, that's not always something that meshes with a great artist, the great gallerist and dealer with the great artist. And you have right, all that. Right. But you know, the other thing too, that makes us really dynamic, Matthew, is not only being able to have the eye to, to see the work, but the, but the system in black art in America to document the stories, to push it out there to, to other, you know, to a whole ecosystem of people that's interested in this particular uh, black visual aesthetic. Right. And so we're, you know, so not only we're dealing with marketing, we're building, helping to build reputations. I got relationships with institutions, you know, and so like we're doing that grunt work, man. I mean, so we're more, we're not just selling work, but, you know, we're introducing it to collectors like yourselves, to institutions, we're marketing, we're helping to build artists' careers. No, you I know? know you are. I know you are. So I'm going to step back from that for a minute okay. and go to you a bit. Tell me. You know, you you alluded to your, um, you know, what, what what where you were 35 years ago. How how do you end up in art? Where did you come from? Who who inspired you? When did you first put paint to paper? Tell me. Yeah. That. All right. So I've been I mean I've been doing art since I was five. My mom tells me. I don't remember that that early on, but she she would buy my can she would buy my art and I would use that money to go buy candy. I did art all through school. I remember being in junior high school, I started to play sports, football. And I was gonna break away from my art. And I and Miss Barfield, man, God bless her. She was like, she was really encouraging and she kept me engaged. Um, went to high school, got my partial scholarship to the Memphis Academy of Art. I told that story, went to two classes, I wasn't really feeling it, dropped out. And I found myself like a year later in Southern Illinois, and I ended up meeting. Uh, what became my first my first real mentor, like the first person I knew that was, you know, really doing art, going to going to school, getting his his uh, his BA and doing some programming out in the community. And he took me on his wing. He was like, hey, man, you know, come to the studio. He put the paintbrush back in my hand. And I got back engaged. Now, I'll, I've always said that from from the time of five, say five years old until like my mid 20s, you know, I had I had some talent, but I didn't have a passion for art. You know, it was just something that I did. And it wasn't until, you know, in my mid to late 20s that I started to develop a passion where I was really interested in creating, you know, and pushing myself and doing like, man, I wish you could see the stuff that I was doing in Arkansas before I came. You know, I mean, it was it was progressive, man. I'm telling you, like, you know, um, and so in 2005, I decided to, you know, pursue pursue the art thing full time. We moved to Atlanta, Satiri and I. And I didn't know, I didn't know how I was going to do it. You know, I mean, I just, I said, hell, I said, I mean, I've been, I've been successful. I've, I've always been successful in sales, right? I mean, I worked for corporations where I was within the top five percentile in the sales department, right? Nationally. And I felt that if I could be, if I could do well for other people, working for other people, if I put that effort toward my own thing, that I would be successful. And that's what happened, man. I just made a decision to, to focus on the art. Came to Atlanta, started doing shows. That's when I met Put down in Florida. You know, he saw the work. My father. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He saw he, he saw the work and um and then told you about it. And then you know, and then it just you know you just navigate, man. You navigate the waters and you know you you you're constantly growing, you're tweaking, and you know and just it just evolved, man. It's a beautiful it's a man. It's a beautiful journey, man. Yeah. And well, it, it is for us too, you know. So I, I take my family to 
putt, my dad's place, <laughs> um, every year for Thanksgiving in Florida, where you've where you've seen them. And there's there well, there are a few pieces of yours there at that place, but um, at the uh, at the dinner table where we have our Thanksgiving dinner, there's this great piece of Nina Simone. Oh, I remember that piece. You know that piece. I remember that piece. And, yeah. Uh, I mean, I, my kids, when they were, both of my kids, when they were extremely young, mm. uh, by the way, my daughter's turning 15 tomorrow. I know. I know somebody who knows me, I have to bring that up. Nobody <laughs> listens to will give a damn, but you, I bet it's, it's wild. Mm-hmm. But they looked at this and it's sort of, it's, it's not, you know, it, it's, it, you know, you, you it, it's not, it, it's not very clear who it is, but it's mm-hmm. Extremely evocative, and it leads to a story, right? It's like, who is this? And then it leads to turning on the music. Then it leads to a life story. Then it leads to this. Then it, it leads to a, a idea of uh, you know of, of what standing up is and what oppression is, and then what strength is. And yeah, man, that that is the power of art. And it came from my father buying a different piece a long time ago and how it evolves to influence my children now. It's hard for me to find something that is more powerful in my life to say how transformative art could be. And so anyway, that's, that's a bit of a digression, except for it means a lot to me. And I, no, it means, it means a lot to, 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 to me too, man. I mean, I just think about the, the over the years, our you know, countless interactions, staying at the loft, your support of us, you know, and, and the different programs that we've done. I mean, dude, you know, you, you, you truly been a blessing and an inspiration. I gotta give, I mean, I gotta give you your due, Matthew. I know, I know it's probably a little uncomfortable, man, but you know, not everybody, not everybody does what you did and, and not everybody does what you have done and you've done it for a number of different organizations. So man, take the, take the shit. And run, okay, and be Thank you. Sure, sure, but we'll move. We'll, we'll move past it. <laughs> we'll move past it. You probably gonna edit that out, man. That's okay yeah, though. That, that, that's getting. <laughs> <laughs> but I do appreciate it. But I, I appreciate it because you know there, you know we've noticed even in this conversation so far. I've been with uh, you know, uh, you know the mutual respect we have for each other means that we sometimes can disagree about things and feel free to argue about them. And mm-hmm. I've come out richer for it. Like, you know, like I, I've come out better for it every time that happens. And uh, the only thing I regret is that we don't see each other more. But I, I so I, I want to go back to, to one thing about you not digging college, right? Okay. And mm-hmm. this is this is important to me because I, I in, and I, I don't want to make this podcast about the art world because basically nobody really cares about the art world except for a very small group of people that care about the art world. Uh, you know, even though you and I are both in it. Yeah. The goal is not caring about the art world. It may be caring about the art. It may be caring about the statement. It may be caring about the people around us and the people we love. It might be a lot of other things. But the, the, the thing is that it contemporary art has been and, and I would say, and correct me if I'm wrong, but black art, even more so than anything else, has been dominated by the university system. And I think that you've done a lot to change that in a way. Can you talk a little bit about what it means to be schooled in, in and uh, can you can you talk a little bit about that? And it doesn't need to be about how much things sell for or anything like that, but just what the education system and the perception of higher education right now means towards art. You know, I mean, Matthew, it's in, I really can't. I mean, it's important important for some people. You know, I mean, because the collect like man, listen. Let me let me just put let me just say it like this because I think the success is the success can be in the work. And the success is in how the work resonates with those that that in, interact with it, and those that may or may not acquire it. For for myself and Satiri and I, man, we've got a tremendous collection. I mean, hundreds and hundreds of sure. objects, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of objects. We share it. We 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 even you know we we toured our collection in in Houston, 
uh, this past year. And when I think about our collection and the collectors that I work with around the country, 95% of them don't give a damn about, you know, the artist, you know, pedigree in the sense of did they get a degree or, or where they went to school. I mean, they're just connecting with the work. But I know it's important to some people. It's, it, it, I find it's really more important to a lot of gallerists, more so than collectors. And why that is, I'm not sure. I mean, because I'm a self-taught artist, you know? I mean, I'm a self-developed artist. I mean, I had, you know, I had a partial scholarship, but I went to two classes. Like, I mean, I didn't even, I mean, I even semester two classes, like a, like a Wednesday and a, a Tuesday and a Thursday and I'm out. So, I mean, I really can't, I really can't speak to it. I think the system, man, is, um, you know, the system is going to be going, it's definitely going through some changes. Um, well, I see this. It was funny. I, I, I mean, not, not to interrupt you, but um, I see it in the two areas I'm involved with, or maybe three areas, um, science, music, business, right? These are the three things I do on a regular basis. Right. And I was at a, I was just outside having a drink uh, the other day with a trumpet player friend of mine. And somebody else came by and they said, oh, you guys both play jazz. And I play free jazz. And it's like this really wild free jazz that most people don't relate to. And I didn't, you know, I don't have a jazz education. I, but uh, it seems avant-garde to some people who listen to it. And yet the trained musician, the, one, the younger, by 15 years younger than me, plays mm -hmm. big band music and went mm -hmm. to you know, and played in music conservatory. Mm -hmm. and I think it was surprising to people, to the people we were talking to, that something that seemed avant-garde was actually more old fashioned in a sense. That what I was doing, in, there's almost been a, a, a turnaround of say, you know, it's, it's turned around and say, we're, we're going to teach you what art is. What is music now? The same thing has happened in science, right? Science doesn't, at universities, we no longer learn how to innovate in science. We learn what science was and then pretend to innovate. And I, I actually think this is a pretty big deal that you may not notice, but I notice in art because I notice it in business, I notice in science, and I notice it in music. So I, I bring it up that you have great artists out of school that went to art schools and you have great artists that didn't. Right. Mm -hmm. But it, that, I think it should be acknowledged that a school could break you or make you. It doesn't have to be. Mm -hmm. I mean, you, you, do you think that of the artists that are part of your world that are either part of black art in America, is this just not a consideration at all? Um, is it, I'm trying to think of the ones that's, I mean, I don't know, maybe I could, maybe I could be off base because I think for the ones that I'm closest with that are having success, some success in this moment, and I'm not talking about the ones that are already there, but the ones that are on the cuffs. I mean, I think the majority of them are, um, are, are trained artists, Yeah, yeah. you know, um, but I mean, again, the anomaly. I, don't, I don't see it. I don't see it as a, I don't see it as, as a, as a prerequisite to, have, to being successful, but it could be a prerequisite to getting you in a certain, in certain, in certain sectors, you know? Right. Um, I don't know, Matthew. Shit. I don't, I don't, man, I, I don't spend a whole lot of time on it. Honestly, I've got, I'm busy building, building what we're doing. And, All right, and fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. I uh, go on a, I went in a different direction. There's something that I noticed that may have nothing to do with art, but something that has been on my mind lately about creativity in general is that schools don't necessarily break you, but they don't make you either. You know? Oh no, I don't. I wouldn't, no, absolutely. I mean, I, I mean, who, name? I couldn't name one artist that was that came out of school and and their success came from what they were doing at that time, and they're continuing to do that. I mean, they evolve and they grow. Uh, and they got to figure it out. Like the hardest part of being an artist is coming up with your own individual footprint, you know, something that you can, something that you can build on and, 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 and lay claim to. So uh, the ones I see having success, you know, they found something that, that they could take ownership of, whether, you know, you know, in style or, or materiality or, you know, whatever the case may be, but they, you know, they got a signature yeah. uh, and they work in, you know, they work in the hell out of it. You know, some, I think they overwork it, honestly. I mean, like, you know, I mean, shit, they, 
you know, they find a they find a vein and they stay there and there's no growth, you know. And for me, and I think that's part of I think that's part of the problem. I mean, I'm kind of deviating right now because I've heard I've known some people to, you know, kind of say something to me about, you know, well, you're doing this and you're doing that. You're doing one minute, you're doing sculptures and one minute, you're doing the digital. And, you know, I thought you were a mixed media artist. And I'm like, fuck, you know, I'm, I'm an artist. I'm a creative and I'm exploring, you know, ideas and concepts and experimenting and doing what speak to me. You know, and so if I feel like I need to go in this direction, I'm gonna explore that. You know, and that's the that's the thing about it, man. And I think that's why bio is a perfect fit for me. You know, like if I had to only do my art and couldn't exercise my interest in, you know, business, you know, or trying this medium or producing this show, man, I probably I probably be in the nut house. Right. You know, I, mean, I, need, I need, but for me, it all it all feeds off each other. You know, whether I'm creating art, whether I'm curating the show, whether I'm working with a collector. I mean, it's all, you know, it's all around the nucleus of my love and, and interest in art. People either over or undervalue art or maybe they get it right. Like, so right now we talked a little bit about COVID times, right? Right yeah. now we're, I don't God, we're four or five months into this. Like some people not leaving their homes. Some people coming to work because they're essential business workers. Um, you know, this is the strangest time of disconnect between human to human, person to person. We can't hug each other, right? What a weird time. And at the same time, now we have protests in the streets. We have the first uprisings that are that actually seem to mean something in a in in a way that every other time that these have happened in my life where where there's been an injustice people it's it seems to have faded from the news right so there, there it's a very strange time um art is something that you often can look back on five years ten years hundreds of years after and either notice it for the pure aesthetic beauty of it or how it represents its time. What what value do you see in the urgency and immediacy of right now, a COVID, a post-Floyd murder time? So as it relates to art or just in general? I mean, dude- As it relates you know, to art or in general, I don't care. I don't care, talk to me. So I mean, as it, I mean, man, I, you know, I mean, damn. Um, I'm thankful for the for for everyone that's that's been diligent about getting out and protesting, but you know, and I've done my protesting how I do, you know, do what I do, but you know, when you know, there's more, there's more that um, I mean, we have to still do other things in our life as well as fight the system, you know, and I think. And I'm wondering, it was because, man, there's been a surge. Like, I talked to a lot of my colleagues, man, with busy sale. They're selling a lot of work. And so the question is, like, why? Why now? And, you know, I just wonder, is it because, I mean, we don't know. I mean, man, we don't know what tomorrow's going to bring. We're stuck at home. You know, I think part of it is market, you know, uh, the success that people have seen, you know, in terms of auctions and, and record prices and stuff like that. But I think people just... They want something different, Matthew. Like they, you know, they maybe maybe they. I, I would hope they want something more in their life. Is part of is 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 the, the, you know, is the biggest reason why they're gravitating to this to this whole art thing, man. Um, and 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 people find ways to support in different ways. Like I remember getting a phone call from a from a from a couple in Brooklyn that I mean, in, in your neck of the woods, that's uh that's white, and they said that, you know, we wanted to support during this time, support a black business. And we got to looking at art. We needed art for the house. And they did a Google search and they found us. So I think uh, the protest is, you know, helping to change policy. I think, I don't think, I can't, no, I mean, there's no way in the hell we could have had this amount of protest this long if we didn't have COVID, where people are out of work. Or, I mean, fuck, you got, what, 40 million people unemployed. And many of them are, you know, a lot of them or a number of them are getting checks and so they can still, you know, pay their bills and everything. And so they're, they're out in the street, they're outraged. We're all outraged. You know, we're tired of it. I hope, I hope we're tired of it. We've been tired of it. Um, I don't know, Matthew, it's a really interesting time, man. Um, as it relates to art right now, 
I'm still as much as I'm as much as I'm engaged, particularly earlier on in the protests and and whatever role we could do in terms of you know paying writers to write about it or to talk about it or sharing on social media or just you know whatever we could do on our own individual lives. Um, fuck, I don't know. I kind of lost my train of thought. Well, I don't know. I mean, I feel like somehow. I, I think that it's very different for you than it is diff, than it is for 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 us, right? I mean, I, I think you've been a, you've been ahead of the game, you know, like 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 you just said. I mean, there's nothing surprising, but there what is what is really what's really important. There there is something that yeah I I believe that is important to go out on the streets and fight. It's not necessarily. It's important for people like me to go out on the streets and fight sometimes, and I don't do it enough, right? I don't. But what, but what you have done is you have actually told stories. You have actually dealt with these, but dealt with them not in a in a strictly historical manner. You've dealt with them in a way that touches people and moves people. And when that when that Brooklyn. You know, when somebody calls you from Brooklyn, what happens is it's not that the money goes just to black artists, it's that that's on their wall, right? That'll influence beyond the moment and beyond the strife of the day. You know, this is what they will wake up to the way I wake up to see a Najee. And that, that's a really interesting way of looking at changing the lens for which we view everything from oppression to expression. And I, I don't think that's new for you, but it, but it's kind of new to the country, at least for a while. And it, it seems like it touches me in a different way. You know, it's amazing and beautiful to see. I think, um, you know, some of my frustrations have been for my, with my, uh, brothers from another mother, lighter skin, friends, is that, you know, oftentimes when these things would take place, you know, we we would share it and we would be outraged and, you know, we would never see the likes or the shares of the, you know, of the posts or the comments when it came down to, to like this level of injustice. You know, I don't know if it's because this is just an easy one and like, what the fuck? You know, like, you know, to see this man die the way he did and, you know, I don't know. I don't. I can't put my finger on it, man. I I, 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 yeah, I, I really can't. I mean, I have a piece of yours from I don't know ten years ago. So I mean, the, the, what I'm saying, this stuff is not new. It only feels like it's a some of us, right? And doesn't feel like it's you. I have a piece of yours where, God, I mean, it's so hard to describe a work of art that it becomes almost. It, It'd be, it, it, it's not great, right? If I can't put up an image of something, it's gonna do it injustice. Mm -hmm. But there are minstrels being swept in a kitchen oh, yeah. in a corner. That was uh, uh, taking, taking out the trash, man. That I remember that one. That's one of my favorite pieces that you've got. Yeah, yeah. it's my it. favorite piece of yours that I have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, I love that piece, man. The uh, And that was, you know, taking out the trash, you know, taking out the... Um, the imagery, you know, the oppressive imagery of black people and, and you know, um, and, and, and Negro Billia, um, mammies and things of that nature. And so, I mean, it's a, you know, it's a, it's, you know, the, the, it's a challenge with imagery, man, you know, how we perceive, how we portray. Uh, and I think that's, again, that's part of the role of Baya. That's why we exist, you know, to, to, to show an alternative. Like I'm really intentional about, uh, the stories that we're that we're paying contributing writers to write, the images that we share on social media, and the impact, you know, like, I remember, a perfect example. So I remember early on when I had a colleague that was helping me uh, curate the page, you know, she, um, there was a big Carol Walker show coming up, and she wanted to do a feature on Carol Walker. And I said, okay, um, if we do that, then we need to put up something in opposition to you know how many of us most of most most of the black people i know feel about carol's work 
And and at that time, it was a, a nice video that Howardina Pendell had put together because um, she had wrote this book, Carol Walker, Yes, Carol Walker, No, Carol Walker, Maybe. And it was really more of opposing views or views by, you know, um, other Black scholars on Carol Walker's work, you know, so it wasn't a, you know, a rah-rah moment. And so I just felt like we needed to get balance, you know? Um, and I think that's why we exist. I mean, it's kind of like the first year I went down to Basel to cover Art Basel. You know, when I got there and went to, you know, the media tent, there was someone there from the root and they had someone there from the griot covering our Basel. But those writers, they didn't they didn't cover, you know, anything other than what was going on at the convention center. And I thought that was a huge injustice. We covered not only the convention center, we covered the satellite fairs. We covered we did a collect the home tour. We did a studio visit. We went to Little Haiti Cultural Center. And, I, and and because I thought it's I, it's important to get balanced, man, to 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 talk about the grassroots as well as, you know, the 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 blue chip gallerist or the the small museum in Atlanta versus you know the studio museum in in Harlem. So, and I think that's and that's really the for me that's really the purpose. That's the mission is to to document and preserve and promote the culture and give a, you know, a a, a broad view of who we are the the images and the stories that are important to us um and to you know provide a space where we could be somebody you know what i mean like i mean that's 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 what bio is you know if you're not gonna we can't control what art form or who the times cover or you know some of these other publications but 24 hours a day seven days a week you're gonna find great representation of, of many extremely talented artists at Black Art in America. And many of those that we featured, you know, they're seeing tremendous success right now. And we got them ahead of the curve, you know? So ahead of the curve as it relates to the uh, the mainstream market, giving them their due. So, and we want to continue that. Yeah, I, I just, I, I want to end on that note. I mean, you, you have done such incredibly special work and I, and no matter, no matter, you know, I may see you every year, every two years, but I, but I keep feeling like it's the beginning, right? I, I feel, I feel like um, the beginning was in 2007 when my father bought a piece of yours. The beginning is today. Yeah. And part of that is what you've done for other artists. And part of it is how your own work has evolved. And Najee, I'm, I'm a, I'm I'm a better person because of you and I will be better in many years because of you. And I really want to thank you. Hey, Matthew, you mean a lot to me, man. I would, I would love to, to, you know, for us to stay connected more and not let so much time go by. Uh, I always enjoy your company. You're, 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 you're forward thinking. I want to see the new building, man. Like, you know, and see what you're doing now. So yeah, let's get, let's get through this COVID thing and let's be together. Let's hang out. Let's give each other a hug. Let's share Let's share music, let's share art, and let's just, you know, let's share stories and be friends as usual. 